Welcome to episode 109 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. It's the third attempt I've had at doing this. Um, the weekly podcast that picks a comic subject and then we pick it apart. This week we have the return of a comics creator who has commissioned the odd cover himself. It's Mr. Jordan Thomas. How are you doing? Hey, Tony. I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. We have been talking for about 20 minutes, so that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we've got behind like, the curtain. Yeah, just talking about sex and you know um so we've got a um so how was thought bubble for you for, sorry i should follow that up shouldn't i jordan how was was that your first tabling there was it i'm right in thinking that yeah it's my first time ever there actually i hadn't been as a punter or anything before uh yeah no i really enjoyed it actually uh i've been looking forward to it for a while as i guess you you kind of apply for the tables quite a long time in advance of yeah. actually doing it and it was the first proper kind of tabling convention i'd done since mcm in like august 2019 oh did you do that one i didn't realize that okay Honestly, yeah not one. uh okay yeah um, i think that, that was i was there as kind of just on the end of someone else's table with my first issue of frank so uh, okay yeah i wasn't like i didn't have my own banner or or i wasn't kind of on yeah. the list or anything now we seem to have this sort of similar group of friends so we seem to be in the same bar and the same area at all times. And I think the only time I properly spoke to you is when I mouthed the word wanker at you and I walked past in the hall. Um, yeah, that was the yeah I think yeah. That's, that's about right, I think. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys, because you've got kind of like, a, obviously not not with the same physique, but you, the three of you kind of combined together are a bit like a, a jab of the hut kind of scenario with all your people kind of <laughs> gathering around you and oh, um, no, you know, know wanting to get a bit of time with the dons so <laughs> you know so it's hard to hard to work your way in you guys have kind of absconded a little area of weatherspoons oh that was to, cool uh, well to yourselves yeah to be fair that was al who found that al henderson the scottish contingent found that and we sort of burst in and by the end of it you couldn't get anyone in the room could you because we were all sort of f fannying around in there that was good and the other thing you missed you didn't go to trotters did you, you didn't go to the uh, only for no I was, I was pretty devastated that i missed out on trotters <laughs> to be honest it seemed like a bit of a a bit of a joke that i didn't realize was really going to happen and i know then, uh, yeah yeah bumped into falpy later on in the in the old majestic <laughs> bar and he was like yeah i think it was meant to be a joke until they told me well and me he and said him, he wouldn't let it lie yeah we wouldn't me and him wouldn't we we led the charge into that pub which it was quite funny and i do did think that you took the funniest picture of the night which was falpy laying on the, <laughs> that couch in the toilet which did make me laugh yeah yeah so nobody everyone who's listening to this podcast that doesn't know us this will mean nothing to them so i suppose we should really yeah. get into the subject we can have no yeah we've, we've gone yeah we've gone a little bit off um <laughs> yeah. off piece although well comics related the way that i'd never actually met falpy before yeah. i just saw him kind of hovering in the bar and the way that i got his attention was i just shouted noodles at him across the bar <laughs> and that he immediately broke off his conversation and, and came over and yeah then we were we were inseparable <laughs> for the rest of the evening yeah he's a good lad yeah um <laughs> the now tonight i we were chatting online and we we've chatted previously about um some covers that you've commissioned Mm -hmm. um and you obviously being something of a one-man one band so you produce comics but also you kind of edit them as well do you or do you design them or how, how do you go about that um you mean like in terms of working on other people's stuff no i mean with your own stuff it's you who decides to commission covers and variant covers oh like yeah that. yeah yeah. yeah yeah it's all kind of all kind of on me apart from anything that actually involves drawing <laughs> yeah. um yeah, yeah so yeah um I guess at the beginning, so on the 
on the first thing that I did on Frank at Home on the Farm, that was just Clark Bint did covers for all of them. But then we also did some pinups for the Kickstarter campaigns. Had like Russell Mark yeah. Olson, Anna Redman, Benjamin Philby. Um, and then they kind of got used for some variant covers when when Frank got published by Scout Comics. Okay. Um, so that's kind of how they came about. But I guess in terms of the the kind of first where I've actually sought out someone else to do a cover for one of my series who wasn't the actual artist was Glenn Fabry doing the variant for the Frank at Home on the Farm hardcover that that's came out a few months book, ago. Man, isn't, it? isn't that lovely? You must be well chuffed with that because that was almost like I've heard you say it was sort of a vanity project, but I do make you wrong on that. It's actually a lovely book to have, isn't it? Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I was super. Yeah, super happy with it. I guess because I've kind of, especially since, for anyone, I guess most people probably wouldn't know, I live in Spain, right. so I can't do the Wednesday warrior thing anymore. Like back when I lived in London, I was in the shop every Wednesday. Yeah. Forty odd quid of money spent on comics. Good Girlfriend man. looks at you like you're a bit of a dickhead. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, and that kind of went along, and you get fill up long box after long box. But then since going to Spain, I obviously i can't get the english stuff weekly so i've moved into just an obsession with these big hardback collections and these yeah. omnibus editions and stuff like that like rebind stuff that i've got in single issues i'm like oh, oh i just uh, if just i doubled, or whatever. i wouldn't mind if i double dipped on things it's when i sort of <laughs> quadruple dip on something i think what am i doing i think i've just done i've triple i've just triple dipped on some no one will be five dips on one of them on a Kirby artist edition. I think I have five versions of that one. But yeah, we're we're, we're suckers, aren't we? But we were yeah, like... stuff like with Criminal, where Sean Phillips. I've got the original Criminal hardcovers, which you can't get anymore because they're out of print and they've right. moved to a different publisher. And but then, like Sean Phillips does, like a beautiful new wraparound for a re-release of the exact same stuff. But I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. really i'd really like that and now the third edition has only come out in the new kind of cover treatment oh, so now yeah, i've the, got two um, the library book the um yeah they're like the big collection ones yeah yeah, they, yeah, yeah. the the deluxe editions they've yeah. got so i've got the first two from i think it was icon and they're kind of white down the down the spine and then he's done these new ones that are all kind of colored with a little image down the spine and so now i've got number three in that style but it doesn't match with the yeah the other two and that's that's going to bother me until i die probably unless i buy those other, <laughs> those other two versions it's like I'm, i've got a, um, a shelf of or four shelves of essentials behind me and uh, mm. i remember it almost being like an emotional almost had an emotional moment when they decided to add a like a a, a face of the character on the spine i'm like this doesn't match the other ones <laughs> Well, that's ruined. Yeah, that's it. Bloody hell. All that time wasted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, doing my own one, that was kind of a bit of a dream since I started working on Frank, that I'd always wanted to make my own nice kind of hardback collection of it. And then Glenn Faber is like my favourite cover artist ever. Yeah. So the way that that kind of came together with me randomly ending up being friendly with Glenn and him agreeing to do the cover was pretty, uh, that's some pretty kind good, of man. some kind yeah. of fate. Well, that little um, piece of fate is what led us to talking about covers. So you and I were talking about covers, and I invited you on to... Um, it's, it's on the run-up to Christmas. Let's have a bit of fun on the podcast. So we, we've decided to choose three covers each, um, and we're going to run through some of our favourite covers uh, and talk about why they're our favourites and, and what makes them a good or a bad cover and, um, and, and just generally about the creators involved. But to you, what, what type of cover do you generally like? Jordan, is it is this something you really go for or 
Uh, I think I like a solid image on there. You right. know, and I think that like something that kind of so that your eyes directed to something immediately as opposed to maybe like a huge scene. Like you get those ones, you know, where they've tried to draw every single X-Man or every single yeah. Avenger, Avengers and the Justice League crossing over or whatever, the classic um, George Perez kind of stuff, which look beautiful and can be beautiful as like a big poster or a print, yeah. but they don't necessarily grab me in at all. Oh God, I, I'd love to read that kind of way, the same as if you've just got one kind of real striking image on there yeah and i suppose the thing is as well is bearing in mind you're probably creating books as i am that will go on a, a digital shelf as it were um mm -hmm. you need something that's going to be noticeable but a single image that because it works better on a smaller thumbnail almost, yeah you know? yeah like those george Perez ones i guess if you if you were scanning through comicsology on them you you just kind of see a blur of yeah colors. it's a shame isn't it these are the, that was the sort of thing that would make people buy comics back in the day because they would have all those characters and the only way to see it would be in front of you on a newsagent shelf or a spinner rack or you know in a comic shop but these days yeah we'll get into this because i don't think there's enough imagination used in comics i am i am however going to start off by uh thanking tom stewart who sent me these but these are in the 1960s 1970s don't you know if you know this but carmine infantino was dc's publisher i'm a fan of infantino i really like his stuff um and he had a list of items which he claimed would improve sales of a comic if included on the cover. Um, there are one, two, three, seven things. Um, can you guess any of them, Jordan? Um, I, you, you told me about this uh, in the lead-up, Tony, and I, I Googled it, so I have <laughs> oh, had a right. look. Okay. So, um, right. yeah, I think I'd be cheating, but they, <laughs> they are a lot of fun. They are. You, they, and you don't see enough of them these days. Let's run through the list. So, Carmine... I met Carmine once. He was brilliant. I had a conversation with him and he couldn't understand me and he was so, <laughs> and he was a bit deaf and I couldn't really understand what he was saying, but we, we got on all right and he did me a sketch. And he, so he's saying for a cover, for a comic to tell you need on the cover, gorillas, not all on the same cover, I might add, um, dinosaurs, motorcycles. <laughs> that was a fucking weird one. Um, a oh, because gorillas is just normal. You always want a, <laughs> a gorilla on a cover. Yeah. <laughs> I'd argue motorcycles might be more common. Yeah, that's, I don't know why I was a bit, cover than I felt a bit outraged. I didn't realise. Yeah, motorcycles. Yeah. Oh, my God. Who yeah. dare put a bicycle on it? Um, a purple background. Um, mm. yeah. A city in flames. That's quite specific. Um, of course, I, that's like a Slaughterhouse Five kind of, yeah. Kind yeah. of business. Who um, doesn't want to read that? The hero crying. <laughs> Uh, now all you get is um, creators crying on Twitter um, and a direct question to the reader, which would be something like... Um, why is the hero crying? Yeah, yeah, why is this motorbike being ridden by a gorilla? The, <laughs> or something like, um, will I die in this issue? Or, you know, if you don't buy this issue, I will die. Or whatever, the, you know, the sort of things that DC had back then, mm -hmm. didn't they? You know, why have I turned yeah. into a puppet? You know, this sort of thing. <laughs> um, yeah. But... I'm just reading through that, and other than motorcycles, which I'm not overly excited by, and purple backgrounds, I think the other ones are true, and I would buy a cover if I would buy a comic from the cover if I saw the hero crying, a direct question to the reader, a dinosaur or a gorilla. I think they're all valid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Good. They're quite specific. They are definitely. Yeah. I, I want to know how he did his market research on this. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> you just imagine Carmine just standing outside a comic shop and. Asking, yeah. asking people what drew them to that um, that dinosaur motorcycle comic. 
He looks like he looks a bit like that dude from Reservoir Dogs, who's the bald dude who organises the, the the robbery. Do you know what I mean? He looks a bit like that. Yeah, yeah. And he's got a big. You can imagine he's got a big cigar on the go, and he's going, "Hey, kid, dinosaurs." <laughs> and the kid's so intimidated, he just buys anything with dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, moving on, we will be talking a little bit about the relationship in comics between. Um, Marvel and DC, and some certain amounts of trolling that went on that Stan has admitted to in the late years of his life. But um, we're, we're going to let's choose our first cover. So, your first one, man. What's your first one? Mm -hmm. My first one is New X Men issue 127, and it's by Frank Whiteley, one of my favorite artists. Yeah. And it has Zorn, I think that's how you say his name. I think so, Sorry. yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of levitating thoughtfully above a. a hamburger yeah that was a strange choice i've always loved this car i think this is why i chose it because when i first started kind of reading comics like really properly it was around this time so a friend of mine yeah. lent me a few kind of solidish runs of this like i had i remember i had one friend who was a x-men obsessive and literally he'd you know he'd be buying the the amiga red spin-off series the nightcrawler <laughs> spin-off series like it didn't matter how bad it was he had to own anything attached to the x-men yeah and it was around the time that this run was kind of wrapping up with the big like magneto reveal and and you had um i think phoenix gets killed again and all that kind of stuff and they were like really excited about it and yeah he lent me this run and i just remember this comic this cover always stood out to me because he's such an unusual looking character and yeah. i'd never heard of them or seen them before because i had a pretty good grip even before i don't know how old might have been like 12 or 13 when this was coming out but i'd always like watched all the cartoon series and collected all the trading cards so i felt like i knew pretty much every character from marvel but i'd never seen this guy before and he's just really different and he's in, he's got a complete white background around yeah. him so it really pops off and frank quietly's art's a bit different to probably anything else i would have seen uh, yeah, I don't know. I just really wanted to know who the yeah. hell is this character. And I think at the time, we, those of us, I, I, I read it, and it was, it took the Avengers from more of a sort of action adventure. Some of the, you know, some of the stuff had been a bit more sci-fi, a bit nineties, and suddenly we had this, and this was June two thousand and two. Um, into he really sort of amped up. Everyone is fucking weird. You know, mm -hmm. Yeah, some really yep. weird, weird creatures and mutants and stuff were hanging around and but zorn had this sort of um uh, you did you really didn't know what to make of him did you he was very strange and and to be fair we didn't know what to make of him because that's that was at the heart of the mystery in a way yeah um but yeah and the i remember seeing that and thinking hamburger and just do you know what because i'm a sort of lifelong vegetarian i thought i would have thought frank quietly would have been a vegetarian it's weird that i thought that isn't it but you know <laughs> But yeah. I mean, a vegetarian's. Does, I, I'm not a vegetarian, so you'll have to correct me on this, Tony. But does vegetarianism go to the point of not being willing to draw meat-related products? Yeah, well, it doesn't, does yeah, it? Generally, it doesn't. Yeah, that is a good point. Although the promotion of people eating burgers, I suppose, might be viewed as. Yeah. Uh, but the, Morrison's got to be a vegetarian. Well, right? that's what I, I thought. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. Right. Well, yeah. it's a while ago, I guess maybe. Yeah, no, it's interesting, and he looks great. It's a great design, and this is where mm. we got that sort of. We didn't get it originally, but they made the most of that sort of leather coat. You know, it wasn't really spandex anymore, was it, for a yeah. while? Um, and I think that worked well. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a good one. Um, almost 20 years old, man. 
Oh, yeah, you that's it? a little bit terrifying. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, just as well, I guess, like, it's so hard. It's been so Is rare it? since probably, like, the... <laughs> <Tony>. <laughs> Almost quite, yeah. uh, it's, it's been... <laughs> It's been a long time since they've been able to kind of regularly introduce new characters. And I know they kind of blew this one to pieces by the end of it. And then I think they did some awful thing with maybe Chuck Austin or something, trying to bring him back as an actual character. It was a bit naff. But but at the time, it was a like exciting, interesting new character that you gave the shit about, which I think it's hard to do in Marvel and DC comics. They do struggle to get any new characters that take on any kind of traction. I remember, I remember reading it and thinking, I wish that we didn't have so much about that fucking dude who looks like a bird with no feathers, and he's in love with that fucking gypsy girl with wings, or whatever she was. You know, I'm like, oh, this, I've had enough of this. Can we just go back to Wolverine cutting people and you know having a row with uh-huh. Cyclops? But yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting one. I'm guessing you bought the. Was there an omnibus of this? I'm guessing. Oh yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. all the issues and the omnibus Good edition. Man. I bought, bought bought that recently. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm a big fan actually of that. I do think it's a very good series. Yeah. One of my favourite Grant Morrison series. Because I, I like Grant Morrison, but he can push a little bit too far for me sometimes, and you kind of lose track of any kind of plot. I don't know if you read his Green Lantern stuff recently. Yes. Yeah. But I found that kind of. I just didn't know what the hell was going on anymore by the end of it. Whereas New X-Men, I feel like it's got some weird in there, but a bit like his Doom Patrol, I guess. I like his Doom Patrol a lot. Yeah. They share share quite a bit in common. There's there's good stories, weirdness, interesting characters. Yeah, I think – I'm not sure about his teamwork. I, I like Doom Patrol, but I don't think that's a traditional team. I mean, Animal Man and stuff like that were just classic. Uh, we, mm. we forgot to mention the interiors on this by John Paul Leon. Who is amazing? Oh, and a sad yeah, yeah, loss yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Really mm-hmm. sad. He lost. He died last year, I think, didn't he? Um, yeah. yeah. Well, was it last year at the start of this year? I know they've just been doing a um, a kind of a memorial. Oh, you might collection be right, of I've... of his series. Yeah, that's right. Did you come to the drink and draw we had for Lawless? No, I'm not uh, sure if you did. Not sure. We I, I mentioned yeah, it. I yeah, it was whenever that was. It was the day of that because I mentioned it on that. Good. Okay, well, let us quickly then, as part of fun, we've got Random Card Generator. So thanks to Sarah Harris, who bought me a birthday present, which was the Marvel um, postage uh, Postcards Vintage. Um, so I have here, if you can hear, mm. you hear that? I've got a pile of postcards, and I'm going to randomly pick one. And it has landed on Daredevil 182. Oh. Are, you a fan, are you a fan of that one? That Daredevil, Daredevil. It's, the, it's the Daredevil run that um, Frank Miller did, and it's the one with him gripping Electra's. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good cover, man. That's a classic. I mean, so, is, so that's part of, was he right? Yeah, he was right. Yeah, he was well right and drawing it by point. then. Yeah. Because Born Again's like my favourite ever kind of superhero comic story, but this is from the stuff just before, right? Yes, with, that's um, right. The kind of original Electra, which is still bloody good. Yeah, yeah. still amazing. Good. Nice to mention it's Frank. It's a classic. Good stuff. Okay, so I'm going to go on to my first choice now. Now, my first choice was... Now, mine have been chosen a little bit for um, um, nostalgia's sake, actually, to be fair, um, which I kind of think maybe your last one was as well. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so mine's Alpha Flight 3. Um, pencils, inks, and writing by John Byrne. Um, interior colorist is um, Andy Yakus, edited by Denny O'Neill. Um, this is a picture of Aurora... Um, who is kind of locked into it's almost like interlocking bars um, yeah i thought you chose it just because you like the image of a woman with a lot of poles coming at her <laughs> yeah it may be 
Yeah, do you think that's, <laughs> do you think that's the metaphor? It never, it never occurred to me. But I don't have that dirty oh, mind. But yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it is quite interesting. But I'm a huge Burn fan. A, he gets a lot of um, people knocking him now, but I absolutely love his stuff. And he was him and Perez were the preeminent artists um, when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, You know, and that, mm. that's oh, he's I, insanely good. I've yeah. been reading the because I was reading the Essentials where they're just black and white. Yeah, of uh, of his of his x-men stuff oh. and you really you can really see just how yeah. incredible his line work and inking was yeah well, so austin inked him in but... most of that but yeah yeah mm. he, when he took over alpha flight he became there was an almost like a little bit of a looseness to it and there wasn't quite so many backgrounds obviously <laughs> but uh this one he he actually fell out a bit with um i think mr john john b likes to fall out with people um which i have to admire anyone passionate about their art but he tried to get this as totally black and white and what he'd asked for is that the logo Alpha Flight and the um, the corner box were also in black and white. He didn't get it in the end. Um, and they've also there's also colour on the face there as well. There's a a slight bit of colour within the image, isn't there? So she's got sort of mm. a pink face. But I I kind of like the fact that if that was black and white, that would have been really cool. Yeah. Um, the face does make it pop a bit, and he does show her in you know in distress. Well, there's a lot. There's some great mm. facial acting going on there with with only a few few lines. I think. He says it's one of his favourite covers, um, if you read any interviews with him. Um, and imagine that that was pre-digital. So that is hand-drawn, all of that. Incredible, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's what I was just trying to get my head around. I was looking yeah. at it and thinking, like, how? Because there's a, a – so, I mean, I, I did art at college, but right. I never got to the point of kind of being able to kind of do anything that anyone would want to pay any money for and <laughs> I, you do just look at some stuff and you're like how would you even start that could you I like i couldn't even work out how to do that if they were all just lines if they weren't like 3d objects yeah i know and it her being this there's so much story in there just from the way she's trapped with them and you think even when you, you look at it you think well did they all jump out at once or how did she get trapped in the middle of that or are they are they still pushing through you know, is mm. she going to be crushed? It's, but there, there's nothing to the actual polls, is there? They're, I'm not even sure. Looking at it you know, upon examination a bit closer, you think, well, they are they just wooden, or what are they made of? They're just white. I don't know what you know. They're not steel. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's really clever. Um, that's yeah, I think it plays there. a bit into Carmen's thing. It's not not quite the same, but like you've got the the hero crying and the direct question, and although it doesn't actually say it in words it is a cover that just leaves you kind of being like yeah what the hell's going on here that is true yeah yeah just need a motorbike amongst it yeah. yeah if there was just a gorilla on a motorbike just in the background kind of yeah. just flying <laughs> flying over she was always a weird character as well because she was a little bit um radio wasn't she and um but also quite sexy at once um which is a strange well, john Byrne didn't didn't not do sexy when yeah. it came to his ladies did he yeah look at she hulk yeah um, well, store. I mean, there's some bits in, oh my God, in yeah. those uncanny, those uncanny X Men issues. There's just bits where, for some reason, she's always walking out of things kind of naked, but with just some kind of steam lines. She's <laughs> yeah. always exiting somewhere that's, that's that's got some steam, just kind of yeah. She's always doing strategically that strategically sort of, placed, that coquettish putting her hair up in a you know in a towel, you know that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Or something. yeah, yeah, yeah. She was definitely a, a teenage favorite of mine. But yeah, that was good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, excellent. Um, Alpha Pod, which was um, Gareth Hopkins' podcast, I went on and talked about an Alpha Flight issue with him, and I, I, I think I rather shocked him by saying I thought Aurora was having sex with her brother, 
and uh, he, he was really shocked. And then later on, John Bishop went on to the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so a number of us thought that. Good stuff. Okay, what's your next one, dude? Okay, next one. Let's go for the Nick Fury Agent of Shield. Okay. Uh, that we think might be a um, reprint collection. A reprint collection uh, by Jim Steranko. And what do you know when that's from? Is it like the eighties or nineties? I'm guessing. Is it? Uh, I did. I think it might have been early nineties. Yeah. So it will be the reprint. Yeah. I think. Yeah. But it's a lovely. So that's um, a wraparound, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think what I, the reason I chose this one is because this just really feels like superhero comics to me. Even though I know none of these characters are exactly superheroes, kind of, but yeah, yeah. But but like they're all in kind of unnatural poses, like over the top dramatic kind of stances. <laughs> but they yeah. but they look perfect for for what it is, and there's so much going on but it's also he's in complete control of everything that's going on here like an artist could do this kind of thing and really kind of lose it could get a bit messy yeah whereas i just think steranko's just got so much control over his kind of composition and and just his art in general that it yeah it's just a really, really just kind of it just feels very like just perfect for his his nick fury yeah i get you well he's obviously for me anyway the definitive nick fury artist you know oh yeah um, i don't see oh, i mean there's you couldn't really argue with that one I yeah don't i don't think. think you can actually i'm just trying to think who else i'd say but i think it's got to be isn't it the the only thing i think about that is um we we used to get a lot of wraparound covers you know marvel and dc both did it um but of course that's an art form that's going to be pretty much lost as we are slowly moving into digital i suppose um it's not something that is really displayed on Comicsology or wherever you like, Comic House or anywhere like that, you're not going to get a double page. You know, what's the point in doing it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as well, covers it are going to kind of lose their importance if everything really does just move digital. Because although you've you've got to grab someone's attention, yeah, when they're scanning through Comicsology or whatever. But like when I think of all the covers that I love and the different cover eyes that I grew up loving. Yeah. It's because you kind of you've you've got your your smaller collection of stuff and you're looking over and over again when you're younger kind of through just the covers kind of you you like you're proud of your collection when you're 12 or whatever yeah. and you're so oh, okay I'm going to sit here and go through all of my my Hellblazer comics with the Glen Fabry covers or um I've got um you've that Hawkeye series that they that they're using for the show at the moment like oh, that's okay. got a beautiful collection one. of yeah. yeah the David Archer ones that's got a beautiful collection of covers and you just saw them so much because you had your kind of collection and you'd, you'd sit and go through it. Whereas I don't think when you've just got a big kind of drive full of comics, you're going to do that in the same way. Yeah, certainly they used to sit on your lap as a kid, didn't they, when you were watching mm -hmm. telly and stuff. Yeah, I know what you mean, man. The um, I used to have... I think I actually genuinely think I've developed like this computer knowledge of covers that used to stop me buying things twice. You know, mm -hmm. So this is part of my theory is... I used to stare at my comics so much that if I, even though I do, I do write them down, if I went to a, a mart or a comic shop or, you know, a convention and I was going through long boxes, I know what I have and what I haven't got because of the image. Often not because of the number, but because of the image you get on the cover. And I'm beginning, yeah. I'm thinking, beginning to think that's become a bit ruined by a number of things. One, there's a lot of fucking covers that are just generic. 
Um, as much as I love Alex Ross, I don't really need to see another Batman of his. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, yeah, I, yeah. and also I think that variant covers are ruining that. I think there's so many variants out there now that you you end up buying comics more than once by accident. Um, yeah, I must have a pile of about 30 comics in the spare room at my mum's house that are just ones where I just bought them again by accident because they were a, yeah. a variant cover. Oh, I don't know why, but do you remember that there was a series called, like, this Lufa Strode? Oh, yeah. Like, I yeah, don't yeah. know, like, the famous Lufa Strode, the talented Lufa Strode or whatever. Yeah. That one, I was awful for rebuying that. <laughs> yeah. I've got, like, there's, like, by the time it got to, like, the third one, I think I've got, like, issue one, three copies of issue two, two issue fours and a six, and I haven't got three and five. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just yeah, never, yeah, never yeah. got my head around which ones I was getting because they kept printing those again with different covers on yeah and some covers are so samey as mm-hmm. well i love bprd but the the collections of them that just the you know the trade paperbacks are so confusing because they're very similar looking well that mike mignola in general like i'm a big fan of of mignola's and i i love yeah. like his stories Hell, hellboy I've, um i read all the baltimore stuff recently but he yeah. does i imagine he can knock those covers out so quickly now yeah I've actually like, got a picture on my phone of the, of the books on the shelf, which is the spines, mm. so I can figure out what I need, you know, what, what number I'm up to and stuff if I decide to buy one when I'm out. And it's always yeah, on my that. phone. Yeah, yeah, because it's so similar looking. I think that's the problem we got. Do you, I mean, do you, your covers, are some of your covers are wraparound, aren't they? Uh, yeah, for the um, for the hardcover collection, Clark Bin, the, the normal series artist for Frank Home on the Farm and Glenn yeah. both did wraparound ones any particular reason or did you just want that glorious bit of art around a hard- i think it may be hardcovers are different aren't they it's it's uh it's more yeah the, a, the a, hard a, covers item yeah they were really me kind of pulling out anything that kind of i wanted in terms of <laughs> yeah. what i thought would look like a beautiful book i kind of went for so yeah i wanted like the wraparound covers to it's just be kind of beautiful pieces of art and i mean that they are nice and the thing is is that i don't I've got like a Marvel Unlimited subscription. Yeah. And I buy quite a lot of digital stuff on Kickstarter. Yeah. Because there's just kind of so much on there. And like I read that stuff digitally, yeah, but I too. don't I don't really do digital apart from that. I just I buy the collections and I read those physically. Oh, okay. I've never bought like I've never bought an issue of Marvel or DC digitally. Oh really? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Hasn't hasn't Marvel Unlimited gone shit? What have they done it's always been layout? quite shit. What about that? I don't layout? know. I've, <laughs> I've always had a hard time because I don't have an iPad, so I went. It's on my desktop if I oh, right, would read okay. stuff on it, and and they literally. I feel like they must have thought, "How can we make this really not user friendly?" <laughs> no, there's yeah. no. Yeah. It doesn't tell you what you've read before. It doesn't. There's no option to like, you know, you know, like when you go on Netflix and it's like continue watching. Yeah, that's all I want. I just want to be able to click on the next issue of like. Yeah whatever like i was reading fantastic four from the beginning so i just want it to go straight to issue 42 yeah of fantastic four if i'd read 41 last time <laughs> yeah but there's literally none of it it's an absolute disaster and everything thing seems to be just adverts for recent events or look at these young gun creators i don't want to read any of that shit i want to read fucking jack kirby and you know <laughs> joe sinnott and you know all the, all the greats i'm not bothered about reading some idiot who's drawing squirrel girl or something uh 
little squirrel. squirrel. You no, guys have been girl. going after squirrel girl lately. What's, yeah, what's happened to you? We got a bit of a, 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 a flashback, didn't we, online? It was an instant in the Slack about squirrel girl because Dan mentioned it and I backed him up because, yeah. But um, <laughs> certain people, Gareth, I uh, think it's really good. But there you go. Down to them. That's your choice. Um, good old. <laughs> Random, let's go back to the random cover generator. Right, you ready? Uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to flick them for, this, for the audio. God, that sounds good. Uh, what have we got here? Ah, New Mutants 21, Slumber Party. So this is, that is a Bill Sinkovich? It is. Good shout, man. Bill Sinkovich. Uh, it's got the original team members on there. Um, I remember buying this when it came out. Yeah, I think Glynis Wing did the covers. I'm not sure if she did the colours for the cover, but she certainly did the interior colours. Um Glorious, man. Glorious. And this isn't overcomplicated. It's just a nice, straight image of each character using their powers whilst, I'm guessing, at a slumber party. But, yeah. Great. And yeah. Um, yeah. he's fucked about with the corner box because he's put Warlock in the corner box. <laughs> yeah, I like, I, yeah, that's what actually what I kind of gravitated towards immediately was that kind of cool image of, yeah. of Warlock up in the top left. Now, I guess it's another... It's like a cover like we were talking about where... You can kind of draw like a border around the actual main focus, and then yeah. there's kind of blank space around it. But because he's yeah, such a true. kind of creative thinker, yeah. he's he's not. Ju- they're not just standing there; they're all kind of showing a bit of their personality. Like you can see, a couple of them are quite smiley, and a couple of them are a bit more yeah, angry are, and serious looking. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's good. Good stuff, man. Right, moving on to my second choice. Is it my second choice or your? No, it's your second choice, isn't it? No, yeah. I did my second choice. Of course, you did. Yeah, mine that. is um, Avengers Fifty Seven: Behold the Vision, Volume One. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out in August nineteen sixty-eight. Uh, covered by John Buscema. Um, later homaged famously by John Byrne on the West Coast Avengers Forty-Five. Again, featuring a different version of the Vision, mm-hmm. the Vision that was. Yeah, that's what threw me a bit. So when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, is that the John Byrne cover?" And then, yeah, then I realised it was um, the the original one. Uh, yeah, the uh, original one. Yeah. Interiors writing by Roy Thomas, uh, House Roy. Pencils by John Buscema, inks interior by George Klein, colours uncredited, and the editor was Stan Lee. So I don't know who coloured the cover. Um, now, there's um, I sent you a link in earlier about this this theory that, that mm-hmm. um, Stan has uh, came out with in the end. He, I think Stan was being um, mischievous. And what was it? He'd, he'd started a rumor that he'd, had he told someone? No, I don't think it was. I don't think he said he started a rumor. I think he just that Marvel were outselling DC. Yeah, and DC were just obsessing over their covers to try and, and why figure they were out doing what it. was they couldn't special. Figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, they thought it was, and it got back to Stan that they thought they were selling because there was red on the cover. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they used a lot of red, which they thought was was the difference in the yeah edging them ahead in the market. And for those that can't see this cover, it's basically the Vision standing over um, some of the other Avengers. You've got Captain America, Black Panther, Hawkeye, and the Wasp. Um, and he's, he's almost like he's a giant. And it's Behold the Vision. So this is the um, first appearance of the Vision in the Avengers. And I remember reading this as a kid, getting this issue, and thinking, this is incredible. So <laughs> the, people don't realise now, the Vision's seen as a bit of a sort of soppy character now, isn't he? So he's always crying yeah. everywhere and stuff and <laughs> mooning other women. And, uh, Another one of Carmen Infantino's. Uh, yeah. oh, Carmen, yeah. If he'd have drawn it, he'd have been weeping. He would have been red and, and weeping cover, on, the on a motorbike. And yeah. um, <laughs> he's uh, instead, he's there's a real presence to the Vision in this. And when, I remember reading it and thinking, fucking hell, he can beat Thor, this dude. You know, because he really, he just wades through the Avengers. And I'm thinking, this is amazing. Mm. Um, but it's 
confused me slightly because I thought well, maybe he's got sort of these because he's got these sort of density changing powers the vision but I thought well maybe he can grow then as a kid it did confuse me a bit that he could grow there but I think it works it's again it's only really two colors um but mm-hmm. it's quite a striking position and that um the shape of how the vision is standing there um was copied was much copied um elsewhere and um really beautiful really beautiful story i absolutely loved it yeah yeah really good have you read that issue dude at all or? no i've not read the early avengers i've read all the john Byrne west coast avengers stuff yeah but okay. no i've not read this yeah he was quite the character back then the vision there was this sort of triangle of love going on as you know as roy and Co- marvel comics writers were tended to write to write but uh yeah um yeah the famous synthoid i've written here but yeah busima is was amazing his he didn't always draw a huge amount. He he famously didn't like superheroes. He just didn't mm-hmm. like drawing them. Um, and he, if you read a lot of his stuff, you it, his style is almost dependent on the inker that's being used. So if you want Ernie Chan on some of his Conan stuff, I think probably I I really liked his Avengers stuff. It really it really did stick out for me. But I think I probably do like his Conan stuff the best. Um, and that was a hell of a run that he did again with Roy. So I worked with Roy Thomas on um, for Conan for, for I think it was about a hundred and something issues. But yeah, very impressive. So I that... think sometimes that can be a plus point, though, when when someone when a creator doesn't like the kind of genre that much, especially when it comes to superheroes, you get yeah. something a bit different. Yeah, that's true. Because they don't want to do just like the straightforward stuff. Because like Garth Ennis famously hates superheroes, so <laughs> yeah. he's kind of got all these comics of just taking yeah. the piss out of superheroes or superheroes being put through and awful the situations. Same. Pat, Pat Mills is the same. You look at martial law. Mm-hmm. there's just the hatred for superheroes yeah. that comes out on the page on those yeah and it yeah. does it, i guess it activates a different part of the brain to the people who are super excited to be drawing yeah. or writing spider-man or whatever and these guys worked like professionals it didn't mm-hmm. matter you know what was on netflix or you know yeah, yeah what was happening on fox news whatever it is they watch you know they just sat down and drew a couple of pages a day sometimes didn't they if not more um, oh yeah yeah yeah, no, not a lot of arguing around there. Not a lot of um, <laughs> yeah. not a lot of chat on Twitter about how they're disappointed on in this or that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they yeah, they didn't have the time. I can't imagine that Jack Kirby would have been able to maintain a, a social media presence and do five pages a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't have been part of a whisper network or joined <laughs> the Gators or whatever these fucking people have find yeah. time. I don't have time in my life to do anything. You know, sometimes <laughs> I think I sometimes I really need a wee, and I haven't got time to go and have a wee. You know, but these people they seem to spend lots of time on Twitter and on social media. But there you go. Yeah, not John Buscema. He no, was too busy. John. Yeah. What's uh, What's your next one, dude? Your final one, actually, isn't it? My final one is um, a little Slack window gone. It is the cover to Hard Boiled. Well, it's kind of a. a kind of a wraparound another one how, isn't it how exactly yeah, yeah, yeah how you would describe it exactly it's um hard-boiled number three by the wonderful jeff darrow yeah but rather than a kind of wraparound full image you've got on the front with um the title and everything you're looking through someone's head that's had a hole <laughs> yeah, blown in it yeah. and there's still yeah. like a bit of teeth and stuff left yeah that's there. Like, the bit that really got me was the teeth yeah. i don't know why <laughs> that's what does it yeah, yeah. well that's yeah. what takes it from just like a to from like a, oh that's cool to like oh that's horrible <laughs> yeah. i think is the teeth being left although you get even better on the back cover you get the other view so what the um the character who fired the gun is seeing yeah and that's through the front of the face so you even get a couple of little eyeballs 
hanging there still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which I don't think is technically possible based on what's happened, unless yeah. he's got like special eyeballs. But it doesn't really what... match the front image, does it? When you see it like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's good though. A great, a great cover. You forget about anything as boring as like what would happen in reality. And yeah, you can see that he's he's not only blown the face off of this one person, he's actually killed someone else who was standing behind them yeah. with the same shot. So I would you call that a wraparound? I don't know what the name is for that, or it's like I'm kind like of a mirror it's like a mirror mirror image kind of Yeah, that's deal. true, isn't it? So it is so it's a cover back and front. There's not an advert on the back, but it's not one that's sort of Yeah, it's it is super cool. The I was buying these in issues. And um, I think I got some kind of like gore fatigue buying them. Although I kept buying them <laughs> and then thinking, fucking hell, it's still going. You know, yeah. it just seemed to just continuously be just never ending amounts of violence, which I, I do not object to. I think it's great. But yeah, this was a great shot. I'm, I'm not certain who did this first. I don't know. Do you know, was this something that Jeff and Frank came up with first? Or look at that second mention of Frank Miller. It's Frank Miller wrote oh, Jeff yeah. Darrow drew it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, well, I, I do, do any other examples of kind of because there's a lot going on with this. It's not just like you're seeing kind of both sides. It's the fact that he's like killing someone through that. There's like story in there as well yeah. as just kind of like a cool, a cool setup. And I can't really think of anything that quite definitely doesn't use this as effectively. Yeah. Well, there as, was um, any, was there anything in film? I'm thinking it was something in maybe Giallo or something like this. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or it does look like something you can imagine them pouring a load of buckets of, um, of yeah. Giallo kind of blood all over everything. Or maybe even anime or manga, because obviously we know that Frank was heavily influenced yeah. at this time by that. Maybe. Yeah, he was. He's living. Was he living in Japan at this point? I'm not sure actually. Yeah, could well have been. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is a great. It is a great cover, and I think. Jeff Darrow, we don't, we don't. I don't think we appreciate him enough. He's he's really, really amazing, and I think we're losing people like Jeff Darrow now because of the the page rates and the amount of detail he can pour into a comic. You know, yeah. it probably wouldn't be worth it. You know, um, but yeah, they were all they were all wraparounds, weren't they? Of this of this yeah. run, um, yeah, because there's the car, the one where he's kind of kicking smashing the, front the, the car, car. Yeah, yeah, kicking the front of the car. It's kind of flipping over. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, he's. I mean, he's an insane artist and it's he's an interesting one because you know they kind of talk a lot about as artists become more experienced and they mature they often remove lines so it kind of simplifies a bit you think of like yeah. guitar so thing, and, yeah 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 um but yeah i don't think jeff's got that in him <laughs> i think jeff <laughs> will be drawing right. yeah. like um mad pages till uh yeah till they drag him off of the removing from the drawing table at the end Good stuff, man. Good one. Right, back to the uh, random comic cover generator. Right, what have we what have we got here? We have got... Oh, Amazing Spider-Man 129. Now, you will know that that's the first appearance of... 129. Come on, you should know this. Come on. Is it the black suit? No, it's the Punisher, my friend. Oh, uh, the Punisher. Yeah. Oh, okay. So is it the one where you've got him in a, in a scope? That's one. That's the one, which yeah. is, again much homage doesn't it it's been used yeah, yeah even yeah. on punisher covers i think they did what was the matt fraction one he did he did that again on that yeah it's been used quite a few times um 
also with a lot of writing on it, which I kind of like. And I think mm. that's generally, for me, something that we're missing. So it's got, he's different, he's deadly, he's the Punisher, the most lethal hired assassin ever, his assignment kills Spider-Man, and behind the most murderous plot of all, um, there lurks the Jackal. So there's a lot of writing on that cover. Um, done by, I think it's Ross Andrew off the top of my head, um, who drew that. Um, there's a touch of the Gil Kane about that. I think it's Ross Andrew. Mm. Oh, no, I'm not sure. Now I'm confusing myself. But famously written by Jerry Conway, who admitted that um, he was om an homage to the Mac Bolan um, to, um, character, the the novel character from sort of eighties, seventies, eighties, nineties pulp. I think actually, I think they're still running. I read about fifty of them at one point, and they're just lots of talk about firing what kind of machine gun you got and what kind of breasts the lady had. That's generally <laughs> the two things that go on in it. But yeah, so that and a great issue and a one of are you a Punisher fan? Do you read his stuff or? Uh, yeah, like uh, I've got the Garth Ennis omnibus editions. Okay. I think he's he's generally best when he pops up. Um, I remember in um in a Brubaker's Daredevil, he gets himself sent to prison so that he can be right. in prison with all the inmates, and it's like it's the final page turn, and it's Frank Castle getting like wheeled into the prison, and you're like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, shit's really going to kick off in the, mm. in the next issue. So I think he tends probably works best like that. I feel like Garth Ennis is kind of he did so much on him that yeah. that's kind of become the the definitive. Yeah, welcome take. back, Frank. But, I think is kind of in a way is that was certainly that for a long time, wasn't it? And I think almost. There's almost a little bit of preacher in it to me, where there are villains in it, but they're often like quite fucking wacky, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, it's very preacher. I guess it's Steve Dillon drawing yeah. a lot of it yeah. as well, and yeah, it's got that. There's that great big kind of Russian character. I think ends up getting give, given breasts for some yeah, reason. Does he have his head? Is it like a head transplant or something? Is it? I can't remember. Yeah, now. I can't. Yeah. I, I just I think I remember a line. They've brought him back to life after yeah, having his face blown off or whatever by by the Punisher. But they've also given him breasts or something. He's like, oh, I wasn't sure at first, but I've decided to keep them or something <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's a proper, like, out of preacher type of character. The yeah, I think what's cool, about, <laughs> what's cool about this cover, the Amazing Spider-Man one, is they're just it's a full-on, like, marketing piece, isn't it? Like you yeah. say. There's so much kind of text on there. They're really trying to get that kid in the shop to be like, yes, I'm spending my, my 20 cents on this one. Yeah, they really do, don't they? Yeah. I think it's brilliant. I bought it originally as the sort of British Marvel comic, you know, the sideways formatted mm. one, and uh, loved it. Yeah, I, that run of Amazing Spider-Man is peerless. From one through to about 150, loved it. And Peter Parker, the Amazing Spider-Man as well, uh, have a look at Spectacular Spider-Man, rather, is, is great as well. Have a look at that series. Really good. Really readable. Uh, and on the Marvel app as well. Yeah, well, I've got the, again, I've got the essentials of Amazing Spider-Man, and it's just insane that at the beginning, it's like every issue just introduces, it's a Fantastic Four similar, but every yeah. issue just introduces a new character who is still a huge villain <laughs> still today, who's in all of movie, the movies, yeah. all of the, yeah, like, it's all, all there. Yeah, if, it, if it's not the Vulture, it's Sandman or oh, Medusa. It's just, or, it'll, be, yeah. it'll be Green Goblin, then Doctor Octopus, then Sandman, then Hydra Man, yeah, then Craven and or whatever. Yeah. It kind of just one after the other. So good, man. It's just so mad. Good. Yeah, yeah, so good. Okay, right, my last choice is Badger Issue 1. Um, everyone knows if I was a furry, I'd be a badger. And it's a big shout-out to Mike from the Lakes. I think that's what he's going to be as well. So Capital Comics um, from January 1983. Capital Comics were a distributor at the time who decided to move into comics. And they, had, they made a few. They also famously did the Nexus one, so both this and... 
Badger and Whisper, I think, all moved over into First Comics um, and then onwards from there. But this covers by Steve Rude. I'm a huge Steve Rude mark. Mm-hmm. Um, Created yeah. and written by Mike Barron. Interiors by Jeff Butler. Um, colours by Les Dorsheed. Um, Mary Pullian did the letters and editor was Richard Bruning. Um, I think what happened to me, man, is I was... A, I'm a, everyone knows I'm a big Master of Kung Fu fan and it was... There was very few... Um, kung fu or karate comics that you could buy that were accessible to us in the uk and this one popped up i can't remember where i saw it it was an early mart or an early trip to the forbidden planet or something like that and i saw it and i'm like who is this this is amazing and i think (laughs) i bought this and one of the i think maybe issue two or three where he is he actually has a badger and he takes it to a dog fight (laughs) which is quite amusing um but the famously vicious badgers yes exactly mess you up They don't have TB, that's a rumour, don't believe it. But the um, And I saw this and I thought, right, I've got to have this. But the, the two characters couldn't be more poles apart. Shang-Chi and, um, and this character, who has a number of names, I'm going to run through in a second, were just, you know, you've got this sort of very solemn, zen, you know, I don't want to fight character of Shang-Chi. And then you've got um, the Badger, who is just literally crazy. Um, <laughs> he suffers from multiple personality disorder. I made a note of his personality. So the Badger... Norbert Sykes, Emily, who is a nine-year-old girl, mm. Pierre, who is a French psycho, Leroy, uh, Leroy's a dog, uh, Gastineau Grover de Paul, who's an inner-city urban African-American, and Maxwell, who's a gay playboy. Um, he's um, so Norbert Sykes is a vegetarian Vietnam vet. He's kind of the kind of about a lot that one. Um, yeah, and Steve Rude drew it. Now Steve Rude didn't come to draw badger for a while after this i think he didn't until he got to the nexus crest crossover which is if you go back a few um about a year in this this podcast me and johnny can talked about it and it's just utterly brilliant um and capital was so weird that i just thought who is this you know there wasn't that many indie create indie publishers at the time and i bought this and loved it and then had to wait ages and ages and ages till i could find another issue um the cover does exhibit so the cover is it's kind of a bit like a movie poster, a bit like a martial arts movie poster of the periods where you've got Badger central and top um, in a sort of heroic pose, but with a, a bit of a crazy look to his face. And then below that, you've got um, the fight going on with Badger himself. Um, and in that little group, I'm not sure if you can see Ham is the sort of um, bald headed character who is on the cover as well. And he's Badger's boss. He's his Badger's boss. He's his landlord. And he's also secretly a fifth century druid. Um, okay. Yeah, who um, keeps sacrificing animals when Norbert Sykes and Badger aren't looking um, as part of his <laughs> magic. So it's, um, You've really sold me on this, to be honest. I thought when I saw this pop up in your free collections, I was like, what the hell is Tony on? What, what, is, what is Badger? And I've been looking at this cover, and there's a, there's some really great I, – I mean, I love the logo. I love yeah. how they've done yeah. the done the B with the claw slash across it. Yeah, I and like that's how, for ages, that one. Yeah, yeah. And they've they've got this kind of the dark line and the inking of the the big figure kind of goes into that thing that I was saying about how I like kind of a strong image yeah. that pops out because of the way that they've it feels like it's almost it's coloured a bit differently the background so it yeah, it stands bet, out quite yeah. nicely on the background and there's a badger within the flame of the background and yeah <laughs> then again it, it almost feels like a slightly different style on the on the bit at the bottom it's a little bit more loose and painterly yeah. kind of thing and they, they've kind of connected his his frame into this kind of city well it looks kind of like a docks yeah. scene that's kind of all in shadow and that's beautifully done yeah and that is I feel, classic 
1970s, 1980s martial arts movie. Because I know that um, Mike and I think Steve is as well, but Mike's um, a big is a big martial arts. He, he you know he fights and stuff like that. Um, and I mean, martial arts movies were the absolute bomb at the time for us kids because they were so unobtainable. And we'd all, I remember there being a rumor at school um, that people actually do fight properly in them is the rumor we heard completely untrue um <laughs> and one of my mates told me that people die in them sometimes because they're made in hong kong and there's no laws over there and we believed all this you know and we would watch yeah. we would watch dragon lee bruce lee uh the early jackie chan stuff um um all of the the Sh- the shaw brothers stuff I and mean, we we ate it up and then suddenly we got a poster here and a lot of these fights occur on the docks you know or in you know, scrap car scrapyards is always a classic. You know, yeah, or could, places that they wouldn't need to shut down from that many. Exactly, people they wouldn't spend any it. money. Yeah, yeah, and um, and to put it there was was brilliant because that was a sort of like Battle Creek brawl. That's the sort of place they would have a fight in that that early Jackie Chan movie and stuff like that. And it, yeah, it was it just took me absolutely took me. And then of course it's got Mike Barron's typical twisted humor as well. Mike's like. He he adds that dark humour to everything he does. I think pretty much, even some of the Punisher stuff. And I really like that about him. He's got it's almost like got um, a two thousand AD feel to it. Sometimes I think, you know, where he's got that. There's always a little a little bit of something else going on. Um, yeah, a knowingness kind of. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was one of the thrills of our, our being on the ACP. Is um, we asked him to come on and he agreed. And you mm. know, I was a big fan of his. And one day, my, I'm sitting there putting my socks on in the morning, and my phone rings, and it's um mike baron and he says oh, i'm in a car on the way to a convention do you want to do the interview now and i said well it's like eight o'clock in the morning mike they're not really online and i had a conversation with him on the phone <laughs> and it was like the best thing ever yeah, and i went away and bought all his novels bought all the back issues i missed yeah what a dude really nice dude yeah so that's you that's sold it. me on badger can you still get hold of is badger collected uh not really but the back issues are cheap as chips man okay yeah because there's a on the Wikipedia, there's another great cover where he's kind of cradling a dead duck. Yes. <laughs> in the water, yeah. which is also pretty. And what's that? There's an awful man on that cover who's throttling another duck in the background. Yeah, because he's, he's a vegetarian. So anyone who kills an animal, yeah. the badger will kill you. You know, <laughs> the he's a vegetarian, haven't it? He's got. He fights a geezer. He's one of his regular villains. Is a guy called Yeti. I think. I think he fights Elvis at one point. Bruce Lee mm. makes a number of appearances in different runs. Um, yeah, he's always shouting things. He calls everyone Larry uh, for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, why haven't they made a TV series of this? Exactly. This is what I want to exactly. see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it goes crazy. There's some crazy stuff in there. And then he, he time travels or space travels and ends up in a, a couple of crossovers with Nexus. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's worth getting. If you can find it, you'll find if you If you get to a Mart or if you have a look mm. on eBay, you'll find a little run for cheap, I would think. Um, there are okay. some collections of, of recent years. He's jumped about from some pretty dodgy comp, not dodgy companies, but low, you know, low rent companies where, yeah. you know, the stuff, if you look at the stuff in first comics, that's the best little run you'll find is. That's really yeah. Good. No, I think I'll stick to early badger. I yeah. don't think I want. Yeah. I don't want late latter day badger. Ba- just well, saying badger bit... cheers me yeah. up sometimes. Yeah. And he's gone a bit mangy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got. He's it wasn't got... him that killed killed that dwarf, was it? Oh, it's you know you can't say dwarf. Oh no, I have to cut that bit out. Well, they are if they're magical people. If they're from Lord <laughs> of the Rings, they're dwarves, aren't they? Well, there was a story because I think that the thing was was it was in the sun, so I think they used the word dwarf in the headline. But they were like a Gordon Ramsay porn impersonator 
<laughs> little person who got found in like a badger's are they called is it a warren or a is, is it a set the, a set maybe yeah yeah they'd been kind of dragged in there by a by a badger i'm wondering if he was wow if he was involved because if he was playing gordon ramsay in some slightly off color pornographic material then he probably would have been handling quite a lot of meat that's very niche isn't in those it? <laughs> <laughs> It could have angered the badger. Yeah. Hello, what do you do? I'm an accountant. What do you do? You know, I I work work in a supermarket. What do you do? Um, I pretend to be famous chefs in porn movies, and I was kidnapped by a badger. Not famous chefs, just one. Oh, just one. Yeah. Yeah, he can't do. He can't do Delia Smith or 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 Nigella. He's well. (laughs) Maybe that was silence in the film. I wonder if there's a bit of Delia Smith episode. Oh, I've I've sent you off down a. A horrible, yeah. a horrible dark web little trail there now. How frightening trying for to find... that bloke being stuck in a badger set. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think he survived, to be honest, Tony. I hate to break Oh, my God. And they probably did a bit of Viagra or something, didn't they, for his business? And he's probably got a boner in the... Oh. Well, I don't know if it was on set. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I haven't it. got all the details yet. Well, I mean, if, if they were, that was that was out of order. Probably find it on the let him just be... Yeah, dragged off by the badger. Get Maybe up. things had gone really bad, and he'd had to move into some really awful. Yeah, he really. Uh, he's on the un- brown under the counter video yeah, tapes. Yeah. He's on the dark web, bumming mm-hmm. a badger. Oh God, we've all been there. Right, good, <sighs> excellent. So that's our covers that we had a happy time running through our covers there. That was all right. Um, now you have got a Kickstarter currently on the go, which ends Tuesday. So if you are listening to this. The couple the day of release or a couple of days afterwards, you've still got time to go and pledge to Weird Work issues one and two. So it's it's you're releasing two, but you're adding one into the the mix. Is that right? Yeah, it's just something I saw other people doing on Kickstarter. I yeah. think to so that people know looking at it that they can buy issue one as well. But okay. yeah, the main focus is number two. That's mainly how I kind of do my my stuff is that I just see what other people are doing. <laughs> Shameless copying. Okay, I'm just copying. I'm like, a lot of people seem to feel like one to three or one to two. Or, so I said, I'll do that just in case. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I, there's a few people I pledge to uh, that, that run series and it always says something like that, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah that idea. way, that way, you know, you know, people are aware that they doesn't matter if they miss the previous one, they can still yeah. get on board. Well, I've, I've backed them both. I've also backed. Uh, I also backed and received my copy of the complete Frank at home and uh, Frank at home on the farm, oversized hardcover, mm-hmm. which is lovely. Um, so, tell us a little bit about the current one, man. What's the story on that one? Um, so, the current one came about. So, I I came on the the ACP pod probably like a year and a half yeah, ago to seems... talk about yeah talk about quarantine, which was um, a book I did with a different artist drawing every page, every page of yeah. one story. And one of the people who I got involved was Shaky Kane, but he because he was a bit you know a little bit fancier than um, than the kind of guys who were like my mates that were doing it. <laughs> he he kind of came in at the end. I didn't really think that I could get people who I didn't know yeah. to to do it, and so he kind of came in at the end when I'd given away a lot of the quite exciting pages. So Shaky got got a bit of a dry page, and Shaky a wonderful artist and can do many things but just people just kind of stood there in a living room isn't really you're not getting the most <laughs> yeah out of shaky's talent there so i kind of always wanted to he told me he enjoyed it and he'd be happy to do something again in the future so i kind of wanted to always do something again longer with shaky and it turned into to weird work in that 
I was reading LA Confidential at the time, which okay. is a very good book. I'd highly recommend. I wanted to, so I wanted to do a kind of generational sweeping noir type story where stuff that happened 20 years ago is relevant yeah. in the current day and everyone's got a lot of history but I wanted Shaky to draw it, so I decided to set it in a world where they're just there's no human characters. No one's like a straight human. They're all a bit strange from varying levels. Okay. So Shaky can basically just draw whatever he wants. <laughs> so it's just fun for him. Like you can literally say when he does the street scenes, you just you can tell if you look through it all because main characters I've generally given him a description which I'm fine for him to throw out, but I like to put something in there yeah. just so it doesn't look like I'm lazy. And he, <laughs> but all the kind of background characters, that's always him. So you can get a bit of an insight into the mind of Shaky. If you, <laughs> if you take a look at the ty- kind of characters that seem to reappear a bit, he's definitely got an insect fetish. He You'll really does, of, doesn't he? Yeah, random yeah. insects turn up. He's, he, this is kind of this eye, Egyptian eye thing that's in everything. There's a, there's some, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty interesting i have to sometimes tell him oh, can we good. put a bit of, can we put a few more clothes on some of these ladies you've got going <laughs> around the background shaky um but yeah no it's been fantastic to work with him and so yeah it's it's kind of it's a it's a noir but like a science fiction noir story okay. with a murder three bodies turn up and this detective who's a bit kind of he was a bright young thing but something bad happened on a previous case so he's kind of lost lost the stomach for it but for some reason he gets pulled into this quite high profile case okay it's a bit like oh why have they picked him what's really going on behind the scenes it all just kind of starts to spiral out into just kind of this big web of deception and blackmail and weird cults and there's this strange drug that's just turned up on the streets called froth that gives people (laughs) that use it too much like a frothy mouth and a giant like swollen oversized head so they all end up is it the leader the leader yes. is he the, yeah. the Hulk villain so they all end up looking a bit like the leader oh, you're playing to his strengths there man aren't you yeah no it's literally I, I wrote it for him with yeah. the mindset of what will shaky draw amazingly <laughs> so yeah there's some there's some awesome awesome pages in there some great spreads and it's kind of it's interesting because obviously I did Frank at home on the farm with Clark Bint and Clark is a, another fantastic artist but Clark is the only artist I've ever worked with you'll give him a page with like nine panels yeah. And he'll find a way to make it 11 panels. You know, okay. artists normally, they always kind of want to limit that, you know, if you give too many kind of seven panels in a row pages, artists can get a little bit irritated with you. Yeah. But Clark is massive into tiny little drawings and stuff. But Shaky is about the bigger kind of pop art, kind of Jack Kirby on acid yeah. type imagery. Like, so you, you kind of tweak a bit how you work. I try not to ever put any more than and six panels on a page and keep it to a lot of kind of three and four panel pages to really let him yeah that thing he did recently with um with crent abel um Mm -hmm. the there was a couple of double page spreads on that actually i think weren't there was that right at least one right at the start in the desert the there's the one where he's looking up at the ufo that's right yeah he's kind of looking into the sky it's really beautiful because it's mostly just blue it is sky yeah but But yeah he does stuff like that really well yeah yeah oh yeah no he's he's great and he's such a joy to work with like he really he could go like i know him quite well now and he i think for he had about 10 years where he just didn't get any work in comics okay. and he loves comics he's a, he, i mean he's a huge kind of 60s 70s comics fan cool and then when the kind of internet came about in a bigger way he found out that he actually had a really big following in america okay and 
so he kind of started, he got back into stuff. He had Bulletproof Coffee and the beef with um, Richard Starkins. He did some Elephant Men. Yeah. And he's been kind of working flour ever since, but but he loves making this stuff. So I think, uh, yeah, he really kind of puts his all into, into it. <laughs> Funny you say Richard Starkins, just as an aside. When I was I was at the, chatting to the staff on the desk at the hotel in, in Harrogate, and um, there was a sort of young guy who was like, I'm guessing like a, shift manager or something you know like that in a sort of a suit with the trousers didn't reach his shoes and um and he goes uh he said what are you down what are you doing in harrogate i said oh, i'm for the comic convention he says oh my uncle's at that and i said oh is he okay is he enjoying it he said oh he's got a table there i think he's presenting something or he's showing something he tells us he's big into comics but we don't really believe him and i went all oh, right what's, <laughs> what's his name and he went oh richard starkins you won't have heard of him and I went, well, yeah, I've heard of him. And he's got the table opposite me. And he's, I've got to tell you, man, he's, he's a bit of a big deal, actually, to be fair. Oh, and, he yeah. went, and he went, oh, okay, we're having lunch with him tomorrow. I'll mention that. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. Oh, flashbacks to me going to my family, family dinners, <laughs> telling him, hey, I've got this comic about a farm. Yeah, you know, let me tell you publishing. all about it. Yeah, yeah. I won't <laughs> yeah. mention the name of the creator once, but I, w- I went to a convention and um, I was chatting to John Freeman. And John Freeman went, have you met, insert name of creator, um, why did you tell Tony about your comic? And this bloke told me about his comic for 45 minutes non-stop. You know the ones <laughs> where you're really stifling a yawn? Yeah. It got really bad. I thought, I, gonna, I thought I was going to have a hernia. And uh, <laughs> and he was just telling me about it. And I, I'm looking over at John going, you wanker. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> thought was hilarious. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Oh, yeah. So they can pledge on that. What are the levels? Are there any stretch? You must have hit a few stretch goals by now because you're well over. Yeah, here, yeah. You? Well, this has been one of the little treats of working with Shaky and that he's, um, although like maybe like your average kind of comic buyer doesn't always, won't always know him, he's a big um, kind of popular with other artists. So we yeah. got to the stretch goals and we've got some um, some guest artists involved. We've got Michael Allred's done one. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, okay. So yeah, and that was literally like Shaky told me that he'd heard that Mike was a fan of his, but he'd never actually spoken to him. And I, <laughs> just through Kickstarter, I've kind of like I've emailed a little bit with with Shelley Bond just because I backed some of her stuff and I okay. asked her a couple of questions. And I just emailed her and was like, oh, because because Shaky, she's married to Philip Bond, yeah. and Shaky and Philip both came up on Deadline kind yes. of at the same time. Yeah, that's true. So I was just like, oh on the off chance would you put me in shaky in contact with mike and she did it and he came back saying oh yeah i love shaky i've always wanted him to draw something for me so they just did an art trade so he drew this for us and he just asked shaky to draw madman and the atomics for him and he sent shaky the original wow. page that shaky's got at home um and there's a well actually a hopefully this hasn't completely happened yet but a little bit of a a um a reveal for the third issue is we've also had that with Jeff Darrow for the third oh, issue. Oh fucking hell! That him and Shaky are meant to be doing a a little art trade. To do oh, I'd love to be episode. a fly on the wall when him and Shaky have a beer <laughs> in the bar, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting. Shaky only eats like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and pizza, <laughs> so I don't know where, where they'd go. But yeah, we we got Michael Allred pin up. Uh, Crent Abel's done a pin up for us, and we've got an awesome pin up by Juan Jose Rip. Oh, I love his you stuff. Know, man. Yeah, he's know great. him from yeah. Was it uh, Black Summer he did with yeah. Warren Ellis? He did Ellis some Wolverine and, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's an incredible artist. He should be doing more. He should. Like yeah. high profile stuff. I like think you're right, man. Yeah. It's I think he insane. Got, yeah, he, he got a name for doing sort of slightly transgressive stuff for a while, didn't he? But I think mm-hmm. he's he's better than that. And fuck me, he earns his money, didn't he, that dude? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's literally, he abhors any kind of 
white space. <laughs> like, yeah. have you seen have you seen the pinups that he did? Yes, I have. Yeah, or, yeah it's like the kind of yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the grey tone, a bit Blade Runnery, and like literally, he has covered every single yeah. inch of that space. And you wonder a little bit sometimes. Again, he's like a fan of Shakey's, but which kind of helps. I uh, think okay. sometimes if you if you go to a, a slightly famous, more famous name, and you're not a name yourself, you're not totally sure what you'll end up getting, kind of for your money, I guess. Yeah, but okay, yeah. He, he like he literally just I couldn't believe it when he sent that through. It was above and beyond. But, oh, great yeah, stuff, man. man. So that's all good. So there's some real, everyone... there's some real heroes of mine there, actually. Yeah, that's really good. We had a great interview with Shaky when he came on, and I said mm. to him, he was telling me about how he draws single images and throws a lot of stuff away. And yeah. I said, um, "Where are your dustbins and what is your address?" <laughs> and he almost said his address. I said, "No, no, no, Shaky, don't say address." <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. Like, it's, it took me a lot of work to get him to agree to sell the the original art because he he doesn't really. He doesn't really think, doesn't get why people would want it. Yeah, that's and it's mad. Thought, and he yeah. sends them through, like he sends me. So I, because I do it all on the Kickstarter, and then I handle all the posting of that out to people. So I get this yeah. big, giant kind of package of the original art, and it's because it's like you say, he he draws all the panels individually. So he just does these big. A, he works on A3 sheets, and he right. just draws. He'll draw the panel in there, and then he'll scan it all in and put it together in the computer and color it digitally. And so sometimes you get a huge A3 sheet that's completely full because it's a giant scene or it's a splash page or something. Yeah. And sometimes there'll be like a couple of panels together on a page. Sometimes there'll be like a torn in half bit of page with a really cool image of one of the characters on it. So when <laughs> I sell them, I just advertise them as uh, they're called shaky packs. I'm just like, I cannot, I can't tell you what you're going to get. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It could be a torn piece of paper. It could be a full kind of A3 sheet, but I just promise it'll look really cool. Yeah, he's, so, yeah. he's got and, such a lovely yeah. style about him, man. I just, I could look at his pages all day. Yeah. Yeah, and it's blackout. His, um, when you see it, just the ink, like the physical stuff, it's really beautiful as well. Like he's got such a kind of clean line. Oh, there you go. That's the next one for you. Your next kickstart, you can do an artist edition. Yeah, well, we've we've been working on our plans. I'm already writing a big, because this is three issues, this one. So Shaky literally finished the art for issue two today. So I've been doing my kind of rough letters. So hopefully we'll kind of get it out to backers oh, nice. pretty much within a kind of within kind of three, four weeks of yeah, the campaign. Yeah, wait for the money finishing. to land and then, yeah, you can start getting it. Yeah, yeah, all good stuff. Yeah, man. so that's cool. But then, yeah, he'll get straight on to issue three. So I wrote it all in one go quite a while oh, okay. back. Um, but I'm already working on, I think we're going to do the next one as like an OGN. Like, so oh, kind wow. of an 80 pager all in one. And I'm about 35 pages into the script for that, which we're kind of pushing it, pushing the limits a bit further since I've oh, seen yeah. that people quite like all the really weird stuff. But then the final dream is, yeah, another kind of big collection of everything and Shaky actually writing and drawing his own story set in the world as like oh. a special for the collection because there is something um, <laughs> something special when it's just, uh, when it's 100% Shaky. You get the real... It's different, uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the pure stuff. Yeah. Oh, well, Not everyone's ready for the pure stuff, but you know, <laughs> yeah, you can right. handle it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hopefully get to see him soon because I used to see him at the odd convention. I remember he did Safari and stuff like that. I used to have a get to have a chat with him. Yeah, and no, I really do admire his stuff. The Thousand Yards Stare, I, I still think it's absolute genius. I really yeah. like that as a, as a comic. Uh, good stuff, man. So, where can we find you online? Where can we find your um, Kickstarter? Uh, yeah, so the Kickstarter is just Weird Work 1 to 2, as you mentioned. Yeah. So, probably if, if people check that out they should be able to find it we were actually the featured project yesterday you. so you know you it's go. quite fancy uh, yeah no, and then oh yeah yeah we definitely get, get a few <laughs> more few through through the door towards the end um yeah and then i'm 
at Jordan underscore J underscore Thomas on Twitter. And I'm ampersand 1988 on Instagram. And are you doing any more events coming up or? Um, I've been looking around because I really enjoyed Fort Bubble and I've also got so many boxes of comics to sell. (laughs) (laughs) I should probably go to some stuff. The thing that I've got coming out after Weird Work is, well, after issue two of Weird Work that I'll do in February is this like science fiction anthology of a bunch of shorter stories I've written and Lucy Lucy Sullivan's done one. Love Lucy. uh, Drawn one. Anna Redman. Right. It's really great. Um, ben Philby, a few other people. But it's going to have all these kind of random pinups in between as well. I've got a couple of your boys on board for that. I've heard you've got – yeah, I was chatting to one, one yeah. told me today about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do, a, do you a special um, – what's it uh, – exclusive that Cliff Cumber and uh, Falpy hey. are, are on board. You're to tribute, tribute Press <laughs> oh, United yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, till, wait till you see what I've got them drawing. <laughs> I think I came up with the idea specifically for Cliff to draw it and for you to enjoy it once you've done it. Um, so, yeah, so hopefully that will be kind of ready spring next year. So I'd like to take that some places as yeah. well once that's well, I'm hoping out. by so... then stuff will be, will be warming up again and we'll get a few more events coming through. And uh, yeah, yeah, you got so nice. Hopefully. I think you got nice coming up next year. And you, there's, I think mm-hmm. the same weekend is Bristol. I'm hoping Nottingham's going to be back next year. Yeah, there's a few things. I think Joel, Joel Meadows is doing what? Is that the same one that that's the Joel Bristol Meadows one, is yeah. doing in Bristol? Because there's some quite cool people going to that as well. That I yeah, it's a shame it's the same weekend like. as Nice because Nice tends to get. I mean, Nice is where I met Don McGregor and Alan Davis, and they they tend mm-hmm. to have an eye to the older creators. But I hear that Howard Chaykin is doing Bristol. So I'm yeah, like, I, I, I love I love him. Yeah, me too. I might have to do a day want, at each or yeah. something. You know. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. Yeah, I want him. Or we could do each other's tables. You could come and do my table. Just swap over. That'd be one good of the idea. days. Yeah, yeah. we just swap. Yeah, we'll go across. <laughs> yeah, yeah I love Howard. Nice... I want him to be my grumpy old uncle. He's great. Isn't he? Yeah, I mean, nice is only half an hour away from me. That's the thing you see. So it's sort of, it's not too bad. But yeah, um, speaking of which, tomorrow I'm going to um, the Eastern Contingent of 2000 AD meet up in Cambridge. Um, there's a Facebook page for that. You can find it. Or if you're in the um, awesome Slack, is uh, I put it up today. So I'm going to go and do that. Um, on Wednesday this week, I recorded uh, the Lakes podcast, Buddies of Mine, um, and ours, uh, episode 100. Um, and they kindly invited me on to ask them questions about the 100 episodes. So I think it went okay. Um, it seemed to go okay. <laughs> so you know what I'm like. Um, uh, Cliff Cumber comes on. We got we had a little guest uh, moment from Cliff on that as well but um um yeah it was uh pete mike nicky and ian it was it was a good laugh and we get serious for a bit we talk about serious things and we talk about funny things so i tried to sort of span it so have a listen out for that um have a listen out to wits end myself pete dorian adam felt were on the recent episode of that podcast i've been a podcast all week this week so uh, yeah, and it's nice stopping you i know yeah, yeah, yeah what's absolutely happening? Um, I've got a social life saturating yeah saturating <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. podcast market um and what was the other one I was going to say? Uh, it's, uh, it's lost me. Um, ACP, we've got coming up. We've got the quiz coming up on the ACP at Christmas. It's going to be... I don't know if we've announced who's who are the opponents yet, maybe. So listen out for that. I think it's going to be a tough one for the boys this year. So Vince and Dan always challenge another two podcasters or comic creators to a, um, a quiz. So far, they're three for three. But the fourth one is going to be the hardest one yet. The most difficult uh, fight yet. 
Um, I, I think they'll be they're in for a hard fight on that one. So, and we've and the previous ones they've they've won by one point, so they're still holding the belt. Vince made some belts out of cardboard boxes for them, so that was quite nice. Uh, you can find us at Tribute Press, uh, uh, Patreon.com forward slash Tribute Press, where the story of Fur Hank Fur started this week, um, which is um, a cyberpunk furry story, um, with my usual um, as a pair of tits on page two, so which Daryl Thorpe is drawing, and I'm over the moon. Wait till you see. You see what he does with that incredible stuff. Any badges in it? We got any? Uh, got any badges? No, I don't think there are any badges in that one. Yeah, maybe next one. Mm-hmm. It's it's an ongoing okay. that one. So uh, watch out for that. And Flesh and Ink just ended five issues, which uh, Adam did. Me and Adam did five issues of comics, which ran um, ran all on the um, Patreon, which we're really pleased at. Um, about a comic company in North London that is situated above a strip club and they fight Satanists. Um, so that's the little thing we did. So watch out for that if we decide to collect it. Um, thanks, man. Always a good one. Um, always welcome back whenever you want to come back. Uh, this is your second. Yeah. We did Airboy first one, didn't we? Just second. Yeah, yeah, second we time, did. We did. Yeah. That was a good one. I love that comment. He's yeah. someone else. I tried to get to. I tried to get him to draw something for me for. Uh, right. For that for a thing, but yeah, Greg Hinkle. But I think him. His wife had just had a baby. Uh, that was his excuse. That was his excuse. Anyway, a load of rubbish. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good stuff, man, and we'll continue chatting, but thanks for coming on, mate, and I'll see you soon.